This time on episode 459 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk the 1992 animated series X-Men, the animated series, season 5, episodes 3 and 4, as presented on Disney+. Plus. We talk weekly Marvel news, including Marvel gets first ever nomination for an acting award. An unexpected title was Marvel's most popular movie on Disney Plus in 2022. First report, more Daredevil Born Again writers revealed. Thunderbolts will serve as Black Widow's official sequel and your feedback, including Twitter questions. I'm Josh Liston from On The Bubble Podcast, an oral history of television fandom. Part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book Universes as told on screen by a little theater company called Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Saturday, January 28th, 2023, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast universal-wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. And if you didn't already catch on to it, we love talking about Marvel. Because of high-tech loincloths. If you'd like to talk to us about loincloths of varying technologies, you can find us at our website, legendsofshield.com. If you think that you have found a place to buy some high-tech loincloths, make sure to leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. And tell us where you found them, because I want one. If Twitter still exists, you can find us there, at Legends of Shield. You can... I was going to say watch us celebrating our Zardoz year with red loincloths, but... It's probably for the best that you can't on YouTube at youtube.com slash gonna geek. If you want to join in the competition to see who can best sport their good loincloth, join us over at the Discord server, gonnageek.com slash Discord. Competition maybe not actually happening. And remember, Legends of Shell is a proud member of the gonnageek.com network. We've got a full house today. Welcome back, Lauren. I'm glad to be back. As you can see, I am out of the closet. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> yeah, that's your yeah. new digs, right? Yes, yes. So, yeah, this is... Hopefully I won't have to move again for a very, 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 very long time because... Oh my God, I hate moving. And we're all coming over for dinner tonight, right? Oh, yeah, we have plenty of leftover chicken shawarma. Chicken shawarma. I actually made chicken shawarma earlier this week. I was gonna it turned say, out very did you well. Find a chicken shawarma place where you live now. My spouse really likes chicken shawarma, but we haven't found anywhere that Scott likes it. So 
I was like, well, let me try this recipe then. And it turned out really, really well. Yeah. You have to share the recipe because we all want to join in now. Uh, Yeah, I can find it in just a second. All right. Well, we have been talking X-Men, the animated series in the off weeks where there's no Disney Plus or no movies out there. And we're coming up on some, but we still have some off weeks. So we're going to be talking X-Men, the animated series. And I got to ask you, Lauren, have you been keeping up with your homework? Because Chris gave you some homework. There was homework? Oh, yeah. Need to listen to the episodes for your homework. Yeah, it's been very busy here. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I have just finished up my most recent audiobook, and that was a mad scramble of trying to record all in the same space before I had to tear everything down and move, and then editing once I'd set up my computer in here. So, yes, it's been it's been a few weeks. Well, we're excited to have you back. And you could have an extension on the homework. Okay, then. <laughs> I will check it out. All right. Well, in the meantime, we're going to talk some X-Men, the animated series season five coming up on the end of the series. We're going to start that right now. Do, 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 do. Previously on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Everything was solved by science. Oh, my soul died a little bit. Basically, resistance is futile, prepared to be assimilated. I'm just like. They're the boar? So I blame this all on Star-Lord. And his portrayal here is everything that's wrong with children's television. We're not going to go back to it. IT smells them, as Wolverine is apt to do. The sharpest claws in the universe, but not the sharpest brain. So you could have actually named them Scott and Gene. Oh, dear God. (laughs) All right. So we've got... (laughs) She's going for it right now. All right, dribbles. There you go. On the podcast, she's dribbling. There you go. Michelle is now dribbles. If we're going to survive, I, Mr. Sinister, have to talk to Charles Xavier and get his help. But your son's in trouble. Oh, my son. Yes. Quicksilver. Yeah. Yeah. Should go help him. (laughs) That previously on brought to you by Chris. Thank you very much for that phenomenal work this morning. Something just bounced right into my head like it was dribbling along the floor. Words cannot express how much I love those previously ons, by the way. Now we got to change all the show docs in the future to go with Agent Dribbles. I suppose we do. All right. It was always fumbles. <laughs> all right. Dribbles and fumbles. Chris, we got to work on it. We'll get something. I'm, I'm sure okay. it'll take me about 10 minutes to do something stupid. <laughs> way less than that probably about 45 seconds so let's talk x-men the animated series x-men the animated series season five episodes three and four premiered on fox kids in november of 1996 we're running the first two episodes of a series right now stormfront part one which is now the third episode of the fifth season aired on saturday november 2nd 1996 And Stormfront Part 2 aired on Saturday, November 9th, 1996. Michelle, what happened during these episodes? Stormfront Part 1. The alien Archon comes to Earth and begs Storm to return with him to his planet to save it from meteorological chaos, which threatens his people. Stormfront Part 2. Spectacular preparations for Storm's weddings to Archon proceed quickly. 
All right. So we got an alien world. We got some weird weather stuff going on and everything like that. So I don't know, Chris, what'd you think? What are your first thoughts? Something is definitely rotten in the state of Paul Marcus here. I forgot that he was a bad guy, but from the beginning, Archon was just rubbing me the wrong way. And then it turns out I was justified. I think this is the first two-parter where having some comic book knowledge would have helped or a better setup would have helped explain what happened to Storm. Another fantastic rich bad guy who looks like he's a good guy at first, but then everything falls apart. So that's what we're looking at here. Now, Michelle, you had a great idea of where to start the discussion of these first two episodes on Storm herself. It was a brief line in passing in the episode about how Storm's tribe treated her like a goddess. And this is true. If you know her comic book background, when she manifested her mutant powers, here she is in Africa. And, you know, like Toto scenes, she blessed the rains down in Africa because she made them, you know, she made it rain. She made it wind. She made it warm. She made it cold. And... Whether being the all-powerful force and influencer in our lives, they treated her as a goddess. And it took her basically having a fall from grace and then being found by Professor Xavier and becoming an X-Men to knock her ego down about 5,000 you know, degrees. But Archon just comes along and just meet, just says all the right words and just flicks on that goddess switch. And she's right back at it. It's something I've seen a lot more in athletic type situations where like you have a kid who has always been the best. And then all of a sudden, you know, they get to college and they're playing with other people who have always been the best. And it's really hard to get out of that mindset of everybody worshiping you, letting you get away with whatever you want. And then all of a sudden, you can't do whatever you want to do anymore. So when the situation comes around again, where you are treated as the best thing to ever grace the face of the earth, it's really hard to not fall back into those old tendencies of assuming that everybody loves you and they're going to let you do whatever you want. So Storm is the Johnny Manziel of the X-Men? I was going to think more Jadavian Clowney, but that's because I knew, I know personally for a 1000% fact that he never went to class in high school. Gotta love it. I was just thinking in terms of Storm that she wouldn't think after she was taken that he just kidnapped her basically instead of asking for help. I mean, if somebody is not asking for help, there's always a reason behind it. And you have to delve into that reason other than just going blindly with whatever they say, right? Get those third party verifications and storm doesn't get that done. Of course, it'd be difficult to know who to trust if you're taken to an entirely new planet that you've never been to before. But yeah, that was the first thing that I was thinking is like, eh, she just goes with it a little bit too easily. And I wish that she had taken the time to at least assess her situation going, yeah, maybe this is not all as it seems right away. Eventually she finds out, but it would have gone better if she would have started questioning a lot earlier. 
that's what Kaylee was popping up with too. Like we understand that this is a half hour kid show hour in this case, because it's a two parter. And so you don't have a lot of time for mistrust and earning the trust of everything. But this guy comes in and the weather is being all wonky and I need you to come save my people. It's like, okay, I can understand why you're desperate, but also you're not even going to try to ask and then kidnap. Yeah, this, the way Storm was treated by Archon in this episode kind of reminded me of when you hear accounts of tourists in North Korea, like, yeah, they only show you the good parts. And then in reality, there's basically slave labor going on behind the scenes. And he shows up. He's like, hey, I heard you're awesome. Grabs her and then is like, save my planet. You could have asked, dude. You could have asked. It doesn't work this way. None of this works this way. Storm keeps trying to tell him. And it's kind of awesome that she can go to another planet and then get in tune with the planet, you know, and then start to be able to get in tune with the weather there. So that's pretty awesome from her power standpoint, which in the series so far, I can't remember if she, I guess she did when we did the space episodes before, but I mean, it was never described that she had to get in tune with her environment in order to use her powers before. So, yeah, that's something that I wish was explored a little more, but Hey, that's why fan fiction exists. Jubilee, of course, comes in with the epic nickname for Scott instead of cyclone psych C Y K E psych. You haven't heard that one before. Well, I guess, I guess they haven't used it much on the show. Have they? I don't remember. She might've used it before, but I don't remember. Yeah, it gets it gets used a lot in the comics, and it's yeah. Let, let's be fair. Cyclops is kind of an awkward name to say. Sometimes you really want, if you're going to be using these names in like the heat of battle, it's kind of like you know training dogs. Basically, you really want it to be like a very short nickname, call sign, whatever you want to, whatever you want to use. Right. Because I mean. How long does it take to say Wolverine? Yeah, way too long. I mean, you could just go and he'd understand because, you know, he sniffs everything. You just go, Gerbub, snicked, snicked, and he'd understand it. <laughs> Wolfie. Something that is probably funny to only me and people who remember a Newgrounds cartoon from the early 2000s. There used to be, it was called Floating Hand Productions, and he did these little parodies of X-Men and X-Men comics and stuff like that. But it was a running joke that Wolverine, all he would say was gerbub snicked snicked. And then Cyclops would go Wolverine's right. And then translate. And every, the first time Cyclops said Wolverine's right. in almost that exact same tone. I almost died. I almost fell off the couch laughing. Like I said, only funny to me and like maybe 10 other people. I'll have to ask Matt if he did that on purpose. You know him? Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> okay, so maybe it's more than 10. I feel so happy. Scott and I, like, t- all these years later, still kind of joke around with Gerbub, Snick, Snick. Wolverine's right. I thought it was appropriate because on the planet, shifting gears here a little bit, there's this, this transmitter which keeps everybody in line and, and that sort of thing. And then back on Earth, you have 
Professor Xavier running into an issue where he can't find Storm because his transmitter with Cerebro has a limited range. So they were dealing with dueling range issues. And this is the first time, at least in the X-Men, the animated series that I recall Cerebro couldn't find somebody because it was out of range. Again, it could have happened before. I don't remember 100% all the episodes that we've covered, but I just thought that was a neat little tidbit that you could be out of range from Cerebro. Xavier didn't pay for roaming. Yeah, he didn't take the intergalactic upgrade package. And we don't know how far away this place is. So you go back to the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and all you need is one of those little satellites out there to extend the range, right? Oh, yeah, totally. And then also, when they were trying to figure out what was going on with it, you know, they're taking that little glowy golf ball that exploded, right? And they were in the lab. Logan just gets frustrated and just swipes at it. Like, totally not scientific whatsoever, destructo boy. It just makes me think, if I'm ever doing science, I gotta make sure that I give Woofy a bone to go play out in the yard or something like that. Get him away from the lab. They wouldn't have solved it without him, though. I was thinking, it's like Michelle said in the previously on, sharpest claws, not sharpest brain. But look at everybody else, Beast and Cyclops. Let's be super gentle with this thing. Let's not do anything with it. Let's make sure we don't hurt it. And all it needed to do was get smashed on the ground. They never would have solved it without Wolverine getting frustrated. Although by that point, they never would have solved it if they hadn't have made Wolverine frustrated. I know, it's like tossing a quarter. It either would have solved the problem or completely obliterated them out of existence. I'm sure there's a universe where that actually happened. Oh, another divergent timeline. And then it opens up a portal. And of course, when it, a portal opens in front of you, you just walk through it. You just don't pay any attention to the fact that there might not be air on the other side. You don't know. There might not be air. And they just walk through. This is why I love in Stargate how they had those probes that would go through the, the Stargate melts. first. The melts. Yes. Thank you. That's what I was thinking of. The melts. Exactly. It's like they need a melt to send through portal, you know, just a you know remote control car that I don't know, Hank or somebody keeps in their back pocket just to throw in. Now, yeah, I guess you could do it with drones, you know, just a little drone. This kind of makes me wonder, though, are portals sentient beings because they always seem to stay open long enough. And when everybody is done going through, they close up. So in Stargate, they eventually solve this problem by saying it's a, it was a power relation thing, right? They eventually, but it did seem to be open just long enough as plot requires to get some people in or out. Or if you're like evacuating a site, like you're under attack or whatever, you'd get through and it would automatically close behind you. Portals operate by the rules of plot, which is somehow connected to quantum physics. Something, something, string theory, something, something, magnets, yes. In the game portal, how long do those portals stay open? Until you get open another one of the similar color, of the same color. Uh, okay. It's been a while since I played Portal or Portal 2, and I really need to get back to that, because that was a fun game. It's a very fun game. The cake is a lie. I'm not sorry. <laughs> That was so no, good. I'm sorry, it was, I don't blame you. Have you done that voice before? I joke around with Scott in it all the time. Can I say I do an impression? 
I guess that is an impression of Gladys. Only if you ask us about being a potato. The tests also said you were a terrible person. We didn't even test for that. That was surprisingly good. I need to work on that. Okay. I can finally say I do an impression. It it is. It's right there. It's right there. For the audio listeners, that was actually Lauren talking, not having things pre-queued up. Nope. Nothing at all. Also, something that was not pre-queued up was we talked a little bit about it. Storm, she goes there and then just instantly falls in love and then wants to become an empress. Yet she does not know anything about the civilization or the planet. That would concern me a little bit. He's like, hey, SP. He's such an absolute F boy. Just. Well, at least you have some managed. You've managed people. It's not like you've been in a certain type of field and then all of a sudden decide to run for president and not even understand how the constitution works or something like that. I mean, at least you have some skills. Unlike me. Yes, I work in education, but I'm trained to crush people's dreams. So I'm not too sure if I would be the best choice. I think if we're going to randomly pick one of us, we have to pick SP because we're responsible, I suppose. I don't know. If you can actively control a classroom of students, even if they're remote, I think you have some skills to run an entire planet. God, this is true. Pay teachers more, please. This is what I was thinking about this is it's straight out of a Hallmark holiday movie where the, you know, the prince meets this lowly person from another country, whatever, and they become romantically involved. And then, you know, there's some, oh, she's not part of the society things back and forth, at least in those instances where she eventually becomes the princess, you know, at least in those instances, she goes through the whole rigmarole of learning the society of getting to know the country that she's about to be a ruler of and that sort of thing. Storm's like, nope, I'm just going to come in and rule. And of course, we know she's just going to, we talked about it already, but we know she's just going to leave and and take off because, well, that's what she does. She's already ruled a society and left. He doesn't know that, though. She knows how to do breakups, though. I loved that at the end where she was like, destroys the thing. Bye. Yeah, this was the problem all along. I told you that before, but you didn't listen to me. There's so many red flags. I, I just think Storm didn't have, you know, Rogue doesn't have a lot of, you know, relationship issues. Gambit is not going to tell her what red flags to look for because he is a walking red flag. And without that interaction, without that foreknowledge, she missed him actually causing the weather problem on Earth. There's red flag number one. Kidnapping her, red flag number two. Automatically making her a goddess without even asking her what her favorite color was, red flag number two. It's like, girl, honey, you poor thing. You need, you need some more, you need better friends in your life. Yeah, talk about love bombing. This was, it was like an extremely sped up version of an am I the a-hole prop question on Reddit. Also, so Archon is a terrible person, we can all agree, but his voiceover artist has a really good resume, mostly in Canadian cartoons. He's Gambit's replacement VO for like season five. He's been in a bunch of Marvel stuff. He's voiced 
I forget who in various, oh, he voiced Gambit in some X-Men games and in Marvel versus Capcom. And there was a really terrible Avengers series in the late 90s, Avengers United We Stand. And he was Hawkeye in that. What's his name? Oh, geez, you say that and I didn't write it down. You mentioned before about the weather issue, right? And just like this whole series started, you know, it started with riots and racial issues and stuff like that. But back in the 90s, we had climate issues and we have climate issues today, too. So it did feel a little relevant, like in the middle of D.C., oh, this weather, it's coming out of nowhere. It feels like that every Every season, every day, it feels like that here in the United States, at least. And I understand that throughout the world, they're going through temperature swings as well. So it's relevant even today. Yeah. Well, gee, rich, powerful higher ups favoring a power source over, you know, climate and the well-being of the people who they are keeping as an oppressed underclass. I wonder what that would be like. Again, the show is supposed to be a warning, not a playbook. Yeah, unfortunately, right? So there was a lot of fights in here from the get-go, right? Because you had the, the weather stuff going on at the beginning, and you have a lot of other stuff going on. What was your favorite fight in the whole thing, Michelle? Oh, the one against the robots. <laughs> is that the one that had Beast hopping? Because that was my very favorite. <laughs> yeah. The one with, yeah, Beast Hoppy. Yeah. <laughs> It's just so funny. Like first in that fight, there's a scene where Cyclops does a flip and lands on like perfect ballet tiptoes because they just kind of pause the animation right there. And then we get beast hopping. And I was like, okay, this, this takes the cake for me. This is, this is funnier than Conan, the barbarian sitting in a news desk. Like he is earlier in that episode, (laughs) which by the way, yes, Archon was explicitly created to be kind of Marvel's version of Conan the Barbarian meets John Carter of Mars. Mm. And you see that in the loincloth, honestly. Chris, favorite fight? This one, it's really hard to go against the robot fights. Just seeing Wolverine getting to go be Wolverine and attack people and stuff. I love it, especially like, oh, punched you right through the heart. Bub. That's like a stomach plug right there. The robots, the floating robots on the planet were a lot like Sentinels. And this is great for kids cartoons because, you know, they're not people. You can go ahead and destroy them. They kept reminding me of Herbie from Fantastic Four on like steroids and a lot of brainwashing. I know they weren't like really sentient, but. They just, for some reason, the design reminded me. But yeah, Storm just basically pieces out. I feel like that's a good, that's a good endpoint for these episodes. In reality, I would love to see the fallout from this, but it's a kid's cartoon from the 90s and we didn't really do that yet. Well, we started talking about that last week. We started talking about what we think we're going to see or what we could see in X-Men 97 that's going to come out either later this year, early next year. We don't know exactly when it's going to premiere. But do you think we're going to see any of this? I don't think so. But what do you think? I don't think so. Let's talk about this fallout for a second, because 
Storm Storm is really portrayed here, and they're trying to push the idea that she's the hero because she destroyed the crazy power source that kept all the aliens from the other planet enslaved. And I don't think Storm is really the hero, though, because she goes in. She realizes that this giant crystal is what's messing up the weather. She doesn't destroy it because she's still brainwashed by Archon. And he says, you can't destroy that. We need it for everything. So she doesn't do it. She never really realizes, though, what exactly that thing is doing. She realizes that the entire population is enslaved. But when she goes to leave, it's just, hey, you're being a jerk. I'm going to leave. I'm going to destroy this thing that you earlier told me I wasn't allowed to destroy. And I'm just going to leave. And she does, she leaves everybody there still enslaved by their oppressors. And she doesn't even do anything to try to save them with it. She just destroys the crystal and gets out. And she calls herself a hero, but she doesn't even try to help the people. It's the second time she had the same thing with Mordox, really. Yeah. Yeah, with Morlox, she's just like, I rule you. Okay, now I'm going to give this stuff to, you know, Calypso, and I'm not going to leave you my number or some money. So, like, whatever. Peace out. At least with them, it wasn't a super explicit slavery situation. It's almost like, I'll watch Game of Thrones, but with Daenerys going into that one city, and she tells the slaves to chop off the heads of their masters and all that type of stuff, and they do, and then she... It's that whole white savior complex nonsense, but she goes in there and all of a sudden I'm queen, but I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to scream for my dragons or something and then just do whatever. She has no clue, no clue. That's what that reminds me of. Yeah. Storm in this episode was more of a victim to me. Like, again, she sped run. Sped, speed ran, sped run. What is the proper past tense of that? She did a speed run through a terrible relationship where she was, you know, blocked out of a lot of relevant information. And in the meantime, you have Wolverine, Cyclops, and Beast who are actually like, you know, the ones who are getting their hands dirty because Storm's their friend. I. St- this reminded me how much I used to ship Wolverine and Storm back in the day. And it's like, come on, he's right there. He's fine. And she really comes off to me as more of a victim in this case. I would expect more from her being an X-Men than just being a victim. At least she gets her power back in the end and yeah. uh, destroys the civilization on the way out. I mean... You know, we all talk about Left Eye from TLC setting her boyfriend's house on fire, but come on, Storm literally destroying his civilization on the way out was just, ah, just waiting to exhale times 100. It was just very good. Those poor people. You know, at least there's a society nearby within short space travel. At least, well... Are there, though? Did they get destroyed? Because the ships went out, right? They went out on a collection mission. You gotta leave the other planet there so they can make more future workers for you. Right. And obviously they couldn't defend themselves, so I guess two civilizations got ruined out of this. I think this is 
the start of the weakness season five is because the art quality is not as great and the writing's not as tight. I think if they had more time on season five, this would have been better written. I think this would have been an interesting space season dealing in more depth with this and I'll eventually Shi'ar stuff. I'm talking about like extending this idea. Space season. Yeah, it was like one of the more ambitious concepts, but on like, I don't know, half the budget, something like that. I want to say, I think this is the season that Larry Houston left. He wasn't there for the final season, I think. I, I know believe somebody so. left, and I think it was him. And if it was him, that as a production guy, that was a sore loss right there. Well, we have six more episodes. We're going to take them two at a time. So we got three more Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes talking about X-Men, the animated series. And then that's it. That's all five seasons. And I'm glad we had a chance to watch them. In the meantime, these two episodes, what do you think, Chris? Final thoughts. I think if you are watching this and you cannot see a big parallel to our current cultural situations in a lot of ways then you're just actively trying not to see those kind of things because this came out in the 90s today is happening today that's i don't want to admit how many years later and history might not repeat itself but it sure is rhyming really hard i thought it was interesting bringing storm into a main storyline like last time we had a lot of beasts and this time we had storm though it wasn't as well written as it could be, at least it wasn't all about Wolverine. On the serious side, it is incredibly depressing how relevant X-Men continues to be. And on the lighter side, first of all, Jubilee basically wearing cat ears for the whole second episode just cracked me up. And they used the land speeder sound effect from Star Wars every time like one of the ships would do anything. And since I have like a Pavlovian response to certain sounds, it just kept being like, what? It was, it was kind of funny to me. At least it wasn't, what was that miniseries V that literally took old sets of Star Wars and threw them out there? The original V, not the reboot, which only lasted a season until I believe it was ABC canceled it. I think it was ABC. Yes. All right. So next time we're going to be talking X-Men, the animated series, season five, episodes five and six. If you have comments on that or anything that we talked about so far, please let us know on our Twitter account at Legends of Shield or in our Discord server at gonnageek.com slash Discord. In the meantime, we do have some Marvel Studio news to discuss, some of which is pretty cool. Marvel Studios has secured its first ever Oscar nomination for an actor with Black Panther Wakanda Forever's Angela Bassett nominated for Best Supporting Actress. This is a big deal for the Marvel film and shows just how much has changed in the eyes of the Academy that an actor's performance in a comic book movie is worthy enough to be nominated. Black Panther Wakanda Forever totaled five nominations for the 95th Academy Awards, Best Supporting Actress, Best Original Song, Best Costume Design, Makeup and Hairstyling, and Best Visual Effects. 
Along with her Oscar nomination, Angela Bassett also won Best Supporting Actress at the Golden Globes, was nominated for a BAFTA Award for Best Supporting Actress, was also nominated for a Directors Guild of America Award for her directorial debut of the Whitney Houston biopic Whitney, and directed episodes in the popular horror anthology series American Horror Story. So the legend herself has brought home an acting nomination to MCU. I'm so happy. I'm between, okay, every year I'm like, okay, this year I'm not going to watch the Oscars. And every year I somehow end up watching. This year I'm actually looking forward to it between Angela Bassett being nominated and everything everywhere all at once getting so many nominations. The Academy has historically had a bias against quote unquote genre films, whether that's fantasy, comic book, horror. And we're starting to see a turn in that where people are recognizing that, hey, there's some genuinely really good performances that come out of these. Stop being snobby. And since her performance did move me to tears several times in Wakanda Forever, I'm, oh, I'm, it's between her and Stephanie Sue for me for this, for supporting actress. And either way, I'll just be so thrilled. It'll be interesting to see how the industry goes forward with acceptance of this genre stuff, these big budget films and the awards, because there's been a dedicated pushback against all this money flowing into these films and these films ruining the industry as a whole. So it'll be interesting how the industry either continues this or not as it goes along. Well, then they can just call up the Wambulance because a good movie is a good movie and the award is for the best whatever, not the best whatever from these things that we've decided were the only ones allowed to have a nomination. Yeah, and I'm sure if you go back and you look at what critics were saying in in the 1940s, it was all musicals. In the 19, what, 60s, it was all Westerns. There's these periodic cycles of, hey, this is what's popular. We're going to do a lot of this. And there's always that separation between what's popular and what is considered high art. And I think it's BS, but you know, judge things on their own merits, not on, I don't know. I have, I have a lot of thoughts. As a horror fan who is still angry about Toni Collette not winning Best Actress for Hereditary, I'm, I have opinions. Yeah, it's interesting that you brought that up. I didn't think about that because it could apply to Westerns as well. Maureen O'Hara spent years advocating for John Wayne to get an Oscar, which he finally did. One could debate whether he deserved more than he got, but he definitely did a a great performance for the one that he did eventually get. And then, of course, you know, you could take a look at the person too, but it took a lot to get him his Oscar. So yeah. Okay. It's the same thing. So I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't correlate the two. Yeah. There's also, I mean, after the exorcist, people were like, Oh, maybe horror will start getting noticed. Nope. Horror is still kind of dismissed as just schlocky, whatever. And when return of the King swept the Oscars, it was like, Oh, Hey, maybe fantasy films will start being taken seriously. And no, still. Well, Lord of the Rings got some, right? Yeah, no, after it, well, it was Return of the King that just swept. Right. Lord of the Rings got a, the other two fair, movies got fair. a couple of nominations. Yeah, but. Fair. 
And I'm curious to see if this is the start of like an actual between this nomination and between the Academy trying to actively court like younger and gender minorities and ethnic minorities for the Academy. It'll be interesting to see if that has any bearing on what is considered for Oscar nominations. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, the whole Golden Globes things go down that path too, right? So, well, we'll see. And the Academy Awards, the 95th Academy Awards, is scheduled to be on Sunday, March 12th, 2023, from 8 to 11 p.m. That is Eastern Time. Chris, you got something for us. What do y'all think was the most popular movie from Marvel on Disney Plus in 2022? Thor. See, you'd think it'd be something like that. I want to say it's Iron Man or the Avengers. See, I would say like with the Guardians of the Galaxy short, I would say that because it's short and it's Christmas and everyone watches it. Well, for a very specific measurement method here, which Nielsen used... Nielsen decided to roll with how many minutes was this thing streamed for. And when you measure that way, with 4.236 billion minutes streamed in 2022, that means The Eternals was the 13th most streamed film of the year on Disney+, Plus, making it the most streamed Marvel movie on Disney+. Plus. Now, part of that is because 4.236 billion minutes is like eight people watching the movie one time through. But it is an interesting thing to consider. You know, I'm watching it. I've watched some of these Marvel movies a couple times because we enjoyed it so much or gone back and rewatched it to prepare for other things. And you have friends going and saying, hey, watch this movie. Hey, watch this movie. I'm really interested in seeing how much of that Eternals was right there in the first few days and the drop off after that. But I I mean, the fact that it was number one, there's something going right there, despite what the internet has been saying about it. It kind of doesn't surprise me because since it was kind of like an unknown quality, I can see the people who were like, I don't want to spend however much money at a theater or I don't want to risk going to a theater or I have like five kids. Tickets are so expensive. I can see people who are like curious about it tuning in on Disney Plus when they don't have to leave their house. That said, I am pretty surprised. Yeah. I wonder how many people started the movie and then fell asleep. And so while those minutes were streamed, they weren't watched. I was going to say I disagree with this measurement standard because you could have something like Zack Schneider's supercut of the Justice League and it's four hours, right? So if the same amount of people watch that as another movie, the extended cut of Justice League, which was on HBO, I think that came out in 2020 or 2021. I I forget the exact date that it came out. It would have been the biggest watched movie just because it was four hours and all those Schneider's fans out there have watched it over and over and over again would have been 
uh, a big one there. So I disagree with it because the longer the movie is, as long as you have the same amount of people watching it, you're going to win this competition. And maybe from the streaming standpoint, that's what matters, right? They don't care if you fall asleep as long as you continue to watch and then watch again the next night to fall asleep and then watch again for the next night. They just want to make sure you come back and use their service. So maybe from a streaming perspective, it's okay. But to say it's like the best streaming movie out there, I disagree with using the measurement to say that. Now, that's not what you said. You said most watch, Chris. I get it. So, okay. But I still disagree with the amount of minutes. Oh, yeah. Like the, the measurement method here is crazy. Like I have to think that somebody went in there and found a way to make Eternals look a lot better with this. You can take statistics and make them prove anything if you frame it the right way. And this is losing to things like, oh, I say losing, but it's having fewer streaming minutes than things that Encanto and Turning Red and Moana and Hocus Pocus 2, Frozen, which has been out for a while, Coco, which I don't think was 2022. So, like, it's, it's having less stream time than those things. And a lot of those being quote unquote kids' movies, even though I loved them, you know, you're going to have the kids who, hey, let's watch this movie again and again and again and again and again. And so, you know, they watch it every day. That's one time of somebody watching The Eternals. But yeah, they had to have gone in there and cherry picked this one. But also kudos to them for finding a way to cherry pick this one. Well, Nielsen is struggling to remain relevant. So did any of y'all ever get the Nielsen, you know, back in the day when they would mail you booklets and you would have to fill them out and send them back in? Yeah, My family got that once. Yeah. I don't think we did anything with it. I remember doing it religiously the one time. This is before like genre shows were, were big, really. It was, was like early 90s or something like that. And I remember filling it out, trying to pick every single like Star Trek, the original series rerun that was in uh, there, just, you know, trying to say, hey, look, I like these sorts of shows. And the second time I got around, I was like, eh, whatever. It's not going to change anything. Yeah, we got it once in about, I don't know, 1998, 1999. And I was also doing the like X-Men Evolution and all of the you know, the genre stuff that I watched. I get intensely aware of these conversations when it comes to podcasting because they're trying to hyper-evaluate the listener for advertisement. They're trying to monetize podcasts left, right, backwards, the podcasts that do monetize. So they're looking for those intense demographics, age, the location. They're trying to attribute you to basically a bank account and your spending habits when it comes down to it. And it is really comical to me, the amount, because when you go into podcast statistics and you're trying to sell ads, which I do not do, but I'm aware of those conversations because I'm aware of the podcasting space. I laugh at those conversations because basically they want to take your privacy away and they want to take every single little tidbit of you away so that they can then go to a revenue generator and say, look, we can monetize this person X amount. So we need all this data. And the data that you get from 
the podcast analytics that is in the IAB certifications, it's not all that much, but it's funny when you get into the industry because they take that data and then they associate it with other data, which they're not supposed to do, especially with uh, GPR. And then there's a California data standard as well, but they do it anyway. And I attribute that towards stuff like this with Nielsen, because there's so much data that these streaming services are actually getting from you that they're not sharing with you. And they're not sharing with you for a reason, because if you saw all the data, you would be abhorred at the privacy. My daughter's dating somebody who's going to go work for one of these companies. And I didn't even know this company existed, but I went to their website. And in the example, they basically said, okay, you're in a store. This is where you are in the store. This is where you routinely walk in the store to pick up your products because they know where the products are, are placed so that when you check out and you buy it, they say, okay, this is where you are in the store. And this is where we need to put our maximum value products because this is where you're going to pick them up from. This sort of data that's out there already that stores virtual and physical are using all the time. So when we talk Nielsen here, yeah, they're, they're saying these neat little things, but they are delving so much more into this or they're getting the data from the streaming services themselves. So I don't know. It's a whole different conversation, but. Yeah, this is why I can't take people who are like, vaccines put microchips in you seriously. Like, my dude, you have TikTok on your phone. Come on. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Lauren, what do we got? So Daredevil Born Again will be coming to Disney Plus at some point. And more writers for the show have been revealed. And I'm very excited about some of these. First of all, we have David Feige. I'm not sure if there's any relation to Kevin Feige, who has a ton of real life experience as a lawyer. So maybe the next time Anthony comes on talking about a Disney Plus Marvel law show, there will be less screaming. And he also writes for a bunch of law shows on TV. We have Thomas Wong, who has an expertise in a number of issues, including race and ethnic issues, food and wine, sexuality and gender, and again, the legal system and courtroom processes. Jill Blankenship is a veteran superhero writer who was the showrunner and co-creator of Naomi, which was a vastly underrated show. And it was about a teenage superhero fan who discovers she has powers herself. She also wrote for Arrow and The Last Ship, SP. I'm sure you're very happy about that. Zach Ryder, R-E-I-T-E-R, not writer as in the profession, although he will be a writer on this, has Law and Order, Organized Crime, and CSI New York under his belt. Again, more law shows. Grania Godfrey wrote for Arrow, The Flash, and 20 episodes of DC's Legend of Tomorrow, which I need to finish, and even co-showran that show. Devin Kliger, Kliger, K-L-I-G-E-R, is a former development executive turned screenwriter. Don't know much else about. Aisha Porter Christie is also on the team as a consulting producer. She has written for Orphan Black, which I'm happy about. Shadowhunters, Briar Patch, and the upcoming The Boys spinoff, Gen V. And Chris Ord and Matthew Corman are helming the show. 
They are best known for the U.S. show Covert Affairs and have been kind of quiet about the direction of Daredevil Born Again. So we'll see if we hear anything from them in upcoming weeks, months, whatever timeline they're looking at. The first thing that jumps out at me at this was something that we talked about in She-Hulk where they weren't really doing the law stuff correctly, right? And so having lawyers in the writer's room then brings a sense of reality to it. I mean, we often thought that the courtroom scenes in She-Hulk weren't really up to snuff, up to par. So I can't help but think that the results of She-Hulk got into the writer's room and they wanted to hire people that had experience there. The Jill Blankenship and Green Godfrey hires for this are interesting to me because if I had to equate two series that were very similar, at least in season one, season two, I would go Daredevil and Arrow. Very similar in the fights and tone. And I'm glad they're bringing forth writers with that experience into Daredevil so that you get that same sort of feel. You're going to get some changes. You're not going to get the Netflix dirty gritty stuff with the new Daredevil continuation on Disney+. Plus. But if anybody could bring forward what you could do in a PG-13 environment, I would think it would be writers that had the experience on the CW with Arrow in season one and season two. So I'm glad that they're doing that. And then, of course, I'm glad for all the rest of the diversity on board as well. Of course, we won't know how this all pulls off until we actually see it. It is going to be a longer season. We're talking over 20 episodes, I believe. No, 18. 18 episodes. So around 20 episodes. This is by far like almost double any other series that we've seen on Disney Plus for Marvel or Star Wars, really. This will be interesting to see how they pull this off. I'm all for CSI Daredevil attorney, you know, CSI Daredevil avocado at law, you know, something. I'm still really hoping that tone wise, it's a bit more the Daredevil man without fear run of Daredevil where he's a little more joyful. Like the portrayal that we got in She-Hulk was a lot more in that vein. And it's not that I don't like serious Daredevil because God knows I loved that show. It's just the tone of the MCU is generally a little lighter these days. And we've gone through the loss thing over season or phase four. Yeah. Phase four was all about loss. And hopefully, this, you know, now we're going into the recovery and acceptance phases. Yeah, hopefully, because I don't think I could take too much more. I th- th- We talked before about the phase four issues, which were compounded by the pandemic, but I'm really hoping that they move on and move in a, a direction that is right. I mean, the universe has changed, the MCU universe. The universe has changed, and we need to accept that, acknowledge that. But at the same time, we also need to be entertained at the same level that we were before. So I'm just hoping that we we go forward with that. Yeah, I haven't gotten a ton of daredevil experience like the netflix shows and the ben affleck movie think of that what you will but just for my friend reed who is super into the chip zadarsky run i'm gonna say i hope it's like that again that is the men without fear run everybody i'm pretty sure that's the man without fear run 
I'm pretty sure as well. So then the last news story that we're going to cover this week is about the Thunderbolts, and it's basically been deemed the official Black Widow sequel. So following Natasha Romanov's seemingly permanent death in Avengers Endgame, Scarlett Johansson's lethal assassin returns in Phase 4's Black Widow-centric solo film. However, a sequel to the 2021 film has been absent from the MCU slates for Phase 5 and 6. In a recent Instagram post to promote the new art of Black Widow, Marvel Studios Director of Visual Developments Andy Park revealed that Thunderbolts will act as a sequel to Black Widow. The film is slated for July 26, 2024, and is going to be released as part of Phase 5. Now, although the plot for the upcoming film is still unknown, fans can expect the return of many fan-favorite characters. The team, who is assembled by CIA director Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, who is played by Julia Louise Dreyfus, will consist of six members, at least so far. Yelena Belova, who is played by Florence Pugh. Red Guardian, played by David Harbour, who... I still think he brought that character way more joy than I ever thought could be in that character. So good on you, David. John Walker, U.S. agent by Wyatt Russell. Taskmaster, played by Olga Kurlenko. Is that how you say it? Kurlenko. Ava Starr, Ghost, by Hannah John Kamen. She was in a sci-fi series, so I'm glad that she's having another shot at the role. I, I don't think her portrayal was as good as it could have been in her previous one. And Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. Winter Soldier, a.k.a. Lauren's Love, Sebastian Stan. Harrison Ford will enter into the MCU as General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, reprising his role after debuting in Captain America New World Order. Yes, the Thunderbolts is filled with several incredibly attractive people who are playing fun characters. And I'm very excited. My one regret here is that we won't get Kate sparring with Florence Pugh in this. No, but we're going to get old man Bucky tries to wrangle cats while listening to Professor Jones. I am really looking forward to that. I'm now I want to rewatch Falcon and Winter Soldier. I don't have the time, but I want to know. (laughs) I know there's so much. Just the interplay between Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. I just, I love them. I just, we've got the, the new series of the Bad Batch out there right now. Uh, Picard so. season three is coming three. out soon. And I haven't finished season two, so I've been trying to power through that. So much stuff online and streaming services to watch. And I just don't have time. So here's hoping 2023 brings me more time to catch up on stuff. All right, that's it for the news. We do have some brief feedback from you, our audience, to go over. A couple of tweets from at Mr. Paracletes on Twitter to us. The first one was listening to episode 456, and you're wondering about Henry Cavill casting for Marvel. Always said... Make him gladiator. Imagine him in a massive mohawk with the Shi'ar beating the brakes off anyone. You want to know the best part about that? What's that? I bet Henry Cavill would grow the mohawk for real and not have to have it added with effects. (laughs) 
Oh no, it's mustache mustache gate all over again. <laughs> Mohawk gate. I mean, Henry Cavill in skin tight spandex with a mohawk. I am. Oh yeah, no, that's just mm, not a mental picture that I'm entertaining right now at all. No, the mohawk would be easier to conceal with a wig than the whole mustache thing was because you can't take a mustache off with prosthetics, right? But a mohawk, you can tap down and you can put a wig on top. You can actually do really good mustache prosthetics, though. But taking it off? Oh, good point. Taking it off. Yeah. Yeah, that no, was the whole. Yeah, that was that was the issue, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm interested out there for anybody else. If you have thoughts about Henry Cavill casting in the MCU, I'm sure Kevin Feige is just at the edge of his seat waiting for us to come up with the right answer there. Henry Cavill as Archon. I'm just waiting for the ultimate middle finger casting of Hyperion. Mr. Pericletes also tweeted, he said, are any of you guys watching Loki because it's a good time and on a hope that something will be relevant or explained in Quantumania as well? You know, Ant-Man Quantumania is coming out soon. And yeah, I, Michelle, you'd probably be the most likely person to rewatch Loki because you're all into that timeline stuff. Yeah, I probably will. Especially paying attention more to the Kang stuff. Because Kang is going to be all about Kang and phase, what is this? Five? Five. Five. Okay. Shell has trouble keeping up with the phase numbers. I probably will. Kang, I believe, is going to be the chief antagonist in five and six. I mean, Kang's a big character. And then I think, I could be mistaken, but I think we're dealing with another universe Kang in ant-man but i could be mistaken because there's multiple ones right he said in this universe right yes so we'll see but there might be stuff that's directly applicable i don't know loki season two i guess uh might have something with it as well so i don't know we'll see all right thank you very much there's some conversation on discord as well and we see stories all the time we'll dump them in there so if you have a thought on stories of the week please let us know Now, Michelle and Lauren, you guys want to do a team up right now. Yeah. Yeah, we want to go and uh, blow up our statues on the way out. Bye. made it to the end of another podcast for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm serious. If you guys have any thoughts about X-Men, the animated series from 1992, let us know. We have three episodes left. We want to get your thoughts on it because this will be the last time that we discuss it before X-Men 97 comes out in months from now. I think we can say months in months from now. So looking forward to what your thoughts are there. I know it's a beloved series from back in the 90s. Again, I did not watch it when it was first out, but I know a lot of you did. And I could see how you enjoyed it. So I want to hear from you. What do you think of it now as you're rewatching it before X-Men 97? So first of all, the comics that I keep referring to as Man Without Fear is actually just Daredevil by Mark Wade, which then goes into the Chip Zdarsky run. So yeah, check those out. Thank you to all of our listeners. And thank you again to SP for wrangling the cats, Michelle 
for being so on top of the notes. Chris for making the world's best previously on videos. Yes. Yeah, Chris, you should go pro with that. Find me a place where I can get health benefits and approximately what I'm getting paid right now. And we'll see what happens. All right. You can find out everywhere I'm at at lwslinus.com, including audiobooks and stuff. And this past a week ago from today, I was a panelist in a couple of panels on the Multiverse Fundraiser online convention. This time we were raising money for the John Ritter Aortic Health Foundation. You can find all of the panels, including some amazing, amazing guests like Amy Yazbek, Victor Garber, Press Williams, William Cat, just so many awesome people. You can find all of those the whole panel day at youtube.com slash at back of the cereal box. And you can find the individual panels. Uh, the ones that I'm on are the voice actor panel, the fanfic panel, and the B-list characters panel. And that would be on youtube.com slash at Phoenix Sisters. And you can find me yelling about wrestling mostly on Twitter at Sithwitch13. Thank you, everyone who listens to us, watches us. We know how much content is out there. And the fact that you spend any time with us is appreciated. When it comes to social media, right now I'm in a, I'm wrapped in a blanket tucked under a rock phase. I am on Twitter at shell underscore game, but I've been quiet lately because I've been quiet lately because of life. Anybody who decides to listen to our show is just a new friend waiting to happen. And we would love to hear from you. If you want to hear more from me, though, you can also head on over to playcomics.com where you can hear me talk to Lauren about a horrible X-Men Game Gear game. In the future, I know you can hear me talking to SP about things and Michelle about things. And as we're recording this, the next episode, you can hear me talking to fellow Gunny Geek member Anthony Sitko about some really slow-moving animals and shells. I forgot one thing. Speaking of other people on Gunna Geek, I have a cameo on the most recent... Capes on the Couch. Capes on the Couch. I'm sorry. I am still in the process of drinking caffeine. I was in the most recent Capes on the Couch as Jessica Cruz during their outro, their little post-discussion skit. And uh, Anthony, thank you for continuing to let me on there. The episode definitely did not make my eyes leak on the drive home. Mm -hmm. It's not a skit. It's an actual therapy session. I'm sorry. What am I saying? <laughs> anyway, I had a lot of fun recording it. Yeah, it's always fun to hear you on Capes on the Couch. And talking about Gonna Geek, there is another show talking about comics on the network. It's called Smoking and Drinking in Capes. In the most recent episode, they go down Ant-Man and the Wasp. So you can hear all about that at gunnageek.com. All right, guys, it's been a week. It's been fun. Looking forward to next week as well. Until next time, I'm Director SB. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Agent Chris. See everybody next time. Don't go golfing with exploding golf balls. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, 
go to gunnageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Hello. Howdy ho. I hear you have a because of. Yes, I do. You want to know a secret? What? I didn't watch the episodes till this morning. <laughs> well, at least you watched them. <laughs> Got home yesterday. Usually we watch them Thursday or Friday. And mm-hmm. yesterday, and it had just been like Friday by itself was a week. And mm. Kaylee had YouTube up already because she was just watching random stuff till I got home. I'm like, oh, cool. I had this video pop up earlier while I was at work. We should watch it. And then <laughs> 9.30. Crap. I completely forgot about X-Men. No. <laughs> and then, crap. I haven't done the previously on. <laughs> so it got done last night. Did she watch the episodes? Oh yeah, she watches them with me. Everything. She she's the reason I got up because she has to actually be up. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh. Anyway, I missed y'all. Missed you too. Yeah. That's the new house light. Oh, I love it. It's one story, so that's excellent for me. Yeah. And uh, I'm still working on my recording space because. Yesterday I was auditioning and I was like, okay, well, I tested the sound before. It sounded fine. Super echoey. So I need to put like more. We're thinking we're just going to end up building me a little DIY sound booth, like probably in that back corner over there. But uh, yeah, no, it's good. My audio, like sound absorbing curtains should be here today. So there's that. I hold on. I want to. I want to show you all my shelf. Hold on. Wow. Each nice. cubby I decided to do with a little theme. So, also my cousin gave me a Star Wars tapestry for Christmas, and I have all my crit roll figures. And I need to unbox and put up this Calavera Harley Quinn that Scott got me. Oh, and I forgot I have my koozie. But yeah, I have like all my craft stuff in here. Well, most of my craft stuff right now. The uh, fabric and yarn is in the basement. We have a basement. It's weird, but it's cool. What's a basement? This is the first time I've ever had a basement. Wow. Okay, hold on. It's warm in here. Which is weird because it's usually cold because I'm right by the outside window and it's been swing for like on and off for about two weeks straight. There was this really weird ice-like thing on my windshield <laughs> yesterday morning. It's been 
Yeah, I actually, I'm, I'm getting used to driving in snow. Not when it's like super heavy, but I can drive when it's falling. So that's an accomplishment. Achievement unlocked. Yeah, I didn't get to go to AEW because it was snowing too hard and it was making my fusion site hurt. So boo. But I've been going to like all of the local indie shows and one of my favorite wrestlers is going to be here in April and I'm so happy. Oh, that's Hello, SP. Like hey, guys. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Oh, I was on a voice acting panel last weekend. Yeah? With a bunch of author, I mean, authors, uh, art, voice over artists that I really respect, including Charlotte from The Princess and the Frog and freaking She-Ra from the new She-Ra. Are you nice. kidding? Nice. <laughs> And wow. I got to thank Amy Carrero for making Opal from Kurt Roll from basically Fantasy Laredo. <laughs> yeah, no, it was last weekend. It was really good. And I was in a fanfic panel the next day. And William Cat, you know, greatest American hero, Tommy Ross from Carrie, was waiting in the green room for his rescheduled panel. And he said that he really liked our panel. So wow. I it's it's been between that and getting my audiobook finished and I'm about to start on the next one. Nice. Yeah, it's been it's been really cool. I'm missing the closet, Lauren. I really am. You probably already discussed this, but I'm missing the closet. Yeah, yeah. I I like the room. I just I need a little better sound treatment, and I've been working on that slowly. I was going to say, you don't sound reverbish at all, so you do a decent job there. Maybe it's just the way it was mixing yesterday. I don't know what it was, because also I was doing a lot of yelling in that audition, mm. so that could also be it. I get a lot of reverb myself, and I think part of it, part of it is because I've got an ultra-wide monitor in front of me, so it's just a big flat panel just yeah. right in front of me. Probably would be better if it'd be off to the side, but I'd still be speaking back and forth to it because I got to watch you guys as I'm doing this. So, yeah, after this, I need to do some futzing around with uh, all of this because I'm supposed to start my next audiobook like ASAP. And uh, the way it was sounding yesterday, I was like, oh no, this is bad. But if I'm talking more at this volume instead of yelling like I was yesterday, Maybe it's better. We'll see. And we're out. Woo! That wasn't a Lauren voice at the end. That was weird. <laughs> that wasn't Lauren. That was my daughter. I can't believe you got her to do that again. Well, she was here, so I just said, hey, come here. She was sitting on the couch, and she did, so she was fine with it. You know what I just realized? Today is the 20th anniversary of me and Scott officially starting to date. Really? Yeah. You're old. I know. I just, I was saving my file and I see the date and I'm like, oh my God. So what you going to do tonight? Um, maybe watch a movie. <laughs> uh, Shotgun Wedding just came out and that one looks fun. So Mary's probably, probably oh my God. Having my best friend next door is amazing. 
Yes, it's oh, it's been so good. I'm I'm very happy. Oh, SP, speaking of Hallmark movies, mm-hmm. they did Romancing the Pod does rom-coms and they did the princess switch for uh. one of their Christmas movies. I think you'd like that podcast if you haven't listened to it. It's fun. I have it's on my list. I don't get to it all the time. Yeah, I listen at like one and a half speed. That's like except my when I go to bed. When I fall asleep, I listen to it at regular speed. Scott lets you listen. That's neat. No, I have sleep headphones because uh-huh. I need noise to sleep. Mm-hmm. Scott needs complete silence to sleep. Ooh. So yes, yeah, sleep headphones were amazing when they started happening. Yeah. So Chris, I d- I know you had a week, but I DM'd you the link to the Amazon. For the the Brett Dalton Hallmark movie. Mm. You did. On Discord, yeah. I actually found it was still on my DVR in the workout room. Because I was going through deleting everything because I'm going to get rid of it. I keep on saying that, I know. But I'm literally going through the process now. And uh, I got to that one. I'm like, "Eh, I'll keep that. So when Chris watches it, I'll just throw it up there while I'm working out. And watch it one last time. But anyway, I sent you the link. So you also sent me the Charleston Boaters thing that I'm waiting until I can watch it with Kaylee, so we can both say, "Hey, I know where that is." Yeah, it, it was. Gosh, it was in the pandemic. I'm trying to remember what year. I want to say 21. I found out a couple of years ago that I've been pronouncing my middle name "quote unquote" wrong for my whole life. <laughs> it's spelled A L I S S A, and I've always pronounced it Elisa. I guess I don't know why, because I mentioned something that somebody said, Alyssa, and I was like, that's not how it's. And my mom was like, yes, it is. Like, So your parents mm-hmm. never used all three of your names as they were yelling at you? No. <laughs> they Did you just never get in trouble? Oh, God, no. I got in trouble all the time. They just, it was more Lauren, Kristen, Lauren, whoever you are, get over here, ass whooping. <laughs> Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2023.